Hi, this is Stay, and I am your host, Takesha August. On this podcast, you'll hear conversations and content dedicated to trust, love, and honoring our intuition from birth to motherhood, from work to womanhood. Collectively, we will be cultivating peace, joy, confidence, and community, the foundational elements of thriving in a well-lived life, and sharing some laughter along the way. Here's to new patterns, healed hearts, and becoming the masters of our own self-preservation. You are invited to stay with your heart, with your body, and with me. Welcome. Hello and welcome to Stay. This is Takesha and I am so excited about our guest today who is all things delicious, juicy, sexy, feminine embodiment and I can't wait for you to meet her. She is my friend and doula sister, Leah Locke Um, and I'll just start with her bio because I can't wait to get into this conversation. So Leah is in service to embody truth and the divine feminine by exploring the relationship between our inherent power and our bodies. Holistic health, movement, birth work, and maternal and self-care advocacy are how she shares her medicine. Leah offers birth and postpartum doula support and embodiment classes in addition to co-creating Axiom Health, a holistic health practice with her husband. Leah humbly holds space for creation. And I'm so glad that you are here. Hi, Leah. How are you? Hi, Takesha. I'm so good. Thank you for having me. This is so amazing. I I am I'm just overwhelmed every time I reach out to someone that I've had the joy of meeting over the last several years and asking if if you all would be interested in having a conversation with me on this podcast and everyone that I've asked so far has been a resounding yes and I've been excited about every single conversation and I can always tell when it's going to be a good conversation when I see the person's face. I mean, you all listening cannot see her face, but when I see the person's face and I just feel so lit up inside because I know it's going to be so good. So Leah, for all the people who do not know you, please tell us about yourself and what has brought you to this journey of working in the space of healing and femin- in divine feminine. Whoa, how much time we have for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here again. Um, I, you know, really, I I, I try to track back the beginning of the thread. And you really just, um, I think it's mostly when I was 24 and my mom died, um, kind of very unexpectedly. And that was kind of the beginning of my healing journey. While I didn't like plan to do anything that I'm doing or have done, it just, I just kept following um, the, the calling, the guidance in front of me. And it, it was very much so just about healing myself essentially, or trying to like maintain some sort of composure for existing. And it all just sort of evolved from there. Um, so it started with, um, I went to school actually to get my master's in holistic health and I quickly like started unfurling. And, um, 
that was right after she died. And so it was a really healing space to be grieving, even though it was very challenging to grieve. I was really good at covering it up. And I also um, found out that I had psoriasis, which is considered an autoimmune condition. And so diet became a really big deal for me. Um, in that space, I also found a movement practice called Koya, and it's based on dance. And um, I found it, and I was fell in love instantly, and so became a, a teacher myself. And then I was called during that that was all connected, but during that, I was led to studying women's orgasm, which was a really challenging thing to come to terms with because that was just kind of, you know, I was a first grade teacher at the time and it wasn't totally something that I thought I should be doing. <laughs> right. Shock, shocking. Um, but it could, it wouldn't go away. And then it was confirmed with the person in my class who wanted to be my partner for the research. And so it was like, a clear yes, that that is what I will be studying. And that was also healing and liberating. And, um, oh, then after I finished my research, which was three semesters, I was called to be, to go to doula training, which is where I met you in Brooklyn at Mama Glow. And I have no idea the reason that I thought I needed to be a doula because when I got there, I looked around the room and I realized that people were in the room who wanted to be doulas. And I remember finding this like so comical as I sat there by myself because I was like, oh, like, what did you think you were getting into? Like, I was just taking <laughs> like the next step for my own pleasure and like learning. And I knew I wanted to be a mom at some point. Um, so I, I was laughing and I, I, I've done this like, well, I'm not really going to be a doula, but like, well, maybe I am this back and forth thing. And then in the process of all that, I um, was... I, I was, I began dating my best friend who we, I've been now I've married and we're now, um, expecting a little human ourselves in January. And I, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. I just now learning this in this know, conversation. <laughs> wait a minute. This is like a live response. Congratulations. <laughs> so fun. Thank you. Wow. Um, oh, this yeah. is so good. It's just all really like when I say it like this, it's just like this beautiful unfolding of the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, and oh, so I did the doula training and I was navigating being a doula and finishing up teaching and then knowing that teaching was seeing the end of its time and journey was finishing up. And I got to work from home for almost a year because of COVID, which was a blessing to me because it really brought me back to myself in ways that I didn't know were real. And then that the I, truth. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I know it was, I mean, lots of tragedies occurred and, uh, you know, I hold space for those and I deeply um, wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have that opportunity. I deeply yeah. acknowledge that. So I, I left, I, I like turned in my notice in April of this year and finished up the school year and found out I was pregnant two weeks before the end of the school year. Wow. And so I quit to, I left teaching in order to build this business with my husband a little bit more because he had to pivot during COVID also and kind of go on his own and couldn't, it was, it was sustainable, but not for long-term, just me working and him doing that alone. So it was like, the desire was to work together and, um, 
and like I, you know, I, I shared all the things that I've been studying. And so it really complements the practice well. And, um, we have a big desire for a very, um, eclectic, artistic, co-working healing space. Mm. Um, that's so out of the realm of clinical, it's more art-based and then healing's like the byproduct just because it is, it is what we do. It's part of everything. And so I was like, well, your life is way more fun being home and doing what you want when you want instead of your own hours. Like I'm getting out of this teaching thing. Cause that's, that's where my heart is. And I want to raise babies and I want to do that with you. And so adios sayonara. And it was, uh, it was just a really beautiful transition. So here I am. Oh my gosh. So I can't help but notice the divine trajectory and also most likely the hand of your mother in this path, right? Mm -hmm. So I I think it's, I I like to, I like to consider the, the both and instead of the either or, because we tend to think that we've got to either be, you know, I am mourning and grieving or I am doing nothing or I am ignoring, right? So like, I think it's amazing and this really speaks to who I've known you to be in the in the couple of years that I've known you is to be this this human that can hold all these truths at once so gracefully. So in the morning of your mother and then also to have this tap of I want to explore pleasure, right? Like what can mm-hmm. be further apart than grief and pleasure and mm-hmm. then also what could be closer together. Exactly. So I I love that so much and can only imagine how how liberating that might feel in your body, especially to explore and well and just to discover a movement practice like Koya. I personally am not familiar with that practice, but I've seen um, you talk about it and after you mentioned it a couple of years ago, I started noticing other people who were into it and I was like, mm-hmm. oh well, what is this thing? That's what Leah was talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And also, I don't even know how I missed that you had just kind of like, <laughs> like, gra- like grazed over. So I asked these <laughs> questions before our conversations to everyone who's come on the podcast. And I noticed like she mentioned like that she was expecting and it just like was mixed in there with like being a doula and like divine feminine and it didn't even register <laughs> and then she said it with her voice and I was like wait what it was a perfect landing so sweet oh to have that, like, live time that was smooth sister thank you All right. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun I liked I liked this I loved your reaction it was really sweet to watch oh my gosh I love I love this so much so I really want to hear Oh my gosh, I want to hear about everything. But hmm. so so I really want to hear about the the deepening of the research that you did around pleasure and orgasm um hmm. as you were also on the heels of like grieving and also going through I mean granted when you're going through any kind of feeling or humaning peopling to be in a holistic like wellness type of environment mm-hmm. seems to be a a really interesting place to land. I think there was someone who was in our doula training who was also grieving during that time, like that mm. actual specific time, if I if I can recall clearly, but cannot remember who it was. But I remember thinking at that time, like, wow, what a what a beautiful space to kind of land in 
as opposed to like, oh, I, I went to get my master's in calculus where everyone yeah. is just like really focused on these numbers and no one's talking about the body or the feelings or the healing or any yeah. of that. So I'd love to hear about that journey that led you like through the research and um, everything that you, I guess, explored during that. Was there anything that surprised you or was mm-hmm. like, yes, oh, like yeah. this is definitely a resounding, yes, this is why I was led to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. I love, I love that question. It's a really fun story. So I'm excited to share. Um, yeah, it was, to be honest, like my grieving wasn't really, um, I'm, I guess I'm not going to judge it, but I, I didn't honor the dark parts as well as I would have now. And in my growing, um, have learned. So I was always, um, kind of one of those girls that can like super resilient, like, right. So I'm good. It's good. I'm good. Don't worry about me. I got it all under control. My, I had, I had cognizant, like cognitively figured out why this had happened. Like my mm. mom, I made up these stories for her journey and my journey. And I felt guided by her and protected and like totally surrendered to life because of her death. But I also was like, had like the, like the, the blocks up. And, yeah. And, and I don't, it, it could have been a survival mechanism. Let's yeah. It's, it was totally self-preservation. Yeah. So, yeah. but going through my master's program, the holistic health specifically was just, it was such a beautiful space to, to be in, um, surrounded by these grandmothers of holistic health in our community. And like my homework was reflection. It was reading and writing. And, and it was on, I mean, it was on content, like there were classes, it was a very robust program in a sense, but it was always reading and reflecting, reading and reflecting and learning based on like this process of internal dialogue and, um, not any linear type of thing. I did a lot of painting for homework. I did a lot of, um, practicing energy work on myself. I learned about all types of different healing modalities so that I got to experience them, my, you know, at the same time as a, as a student and a a client, as opposed to a practitioner. And, um, it really was just to get money, to earn more money in my career, because that's what teachers do. And I was very convinced and I knew that I wasn't going to go to curriculum instruction or something along those lines. And this was available and it was like a resounding yes in my body when I heard about it. And so that really just like was like cracked me open and and led me to all of the things that I've shared. And so then research was is like the end of your, I think I was in the program for three or three and a half years. It's the end mm-hmm. of the journey. It was like the intense, like if for not being a linear situated person, like I was deathly afraid of this program, of this like part of the program. And so what, what I did was I just, I was studying, I was doing my Koya teacher training at the same time. And, and we talked a lot about pleasure and um, the body and feeling. And so I was, I was accessing my body in a way I had never accessed it before. And in doing so orgasm and like my sexuality was just like up and it was like, I couldn't ignore it. And like I said earlier, mm. it was really uncomfortable because I had to start saying the word orgasm in public to people. Yeah. And like, besides my lover and my girlfriends. Yeah. And so it was, it was, 
it, it was challenging for that reason, as well as like, you know, the academic rigor that it, it brought up. But what was also like so interesting at the time is I, I shared, I have psoriasis and I started noticing if I back up a, a little bit, I, um, was observed. I, I got to re- listen to somebody's research in, in the program. Everyone's presenting research every spring. And I went to, to, you know, see someone's project and it was a good friend of mine. And she actually did her research on brace yourself, the critical window of the infant gut microbiome. Hmm. Okay. Yes. So baby's gut health, which starts from preconception to three years of age. That's really interesting. <laughs> it's fascinating. And then what they did was they um, like interviewed different pr- practitioners in the field of birth to see who actually was aware of this and who was educating on this concept, this critical window, which is the foundation, as you know, for our health. And right. then like, you know, could be the root cause to all kinds of long brain development and all the exactly. things. Yeah. Exactly. And chronic illness and functional chronic illness and all these things. And again, I didn't know exactly what it all entirely meant, but I knew that I needed to clean up my gut health for my unborn child. Mm-hmm. So this was, this was four years ago. So I went, I went gluten-free a few months after this research because that was like just intuitive to my body. And I knew that I didn't like gluten and I knew my body didn't like it. And I knew that it was going to help my gut microbiome. And that was the spiral of like this psoriasis thing. And I actually noticed these skin rashes like on the inside of my groin, Mm. like in the most tender part of your leg. And it would start, it started like bleeding and scaling and itching. And I didn't know it was psoriasis for about six months. And and I went to the doctor at the same time that I started my research. And um, she confirmed it was psoriasis and she suggested a myriad of, you know, Western medical solutions that I was not interested in doing. And um, didn't exactly know what to do with this new information at that time, but was like so surprised that my, the energetics of what I was studying in orgasm was directly like potentially related to the energetics of where I was experiencing. I know this, this, like what I called disease. Right. And so I spent the next three years, like unpacking not only like orgasm and pleasure from my personal experience of just being a woman, but also as a researcher. And then as like trying to heal myself, because as you're also, I know, aware of the fact that a lot of diseases aren't just, you know, physiological. Yeah. And there's a lot of energy around them. Absolutely. And so I took a whole, you know, it took, I took a deep dive into like some, some stuff. And I mean, I was pulling out things from left, right in every angle. And it was, it was a really overwhelming time. And then to have to be in grad school and working full time, like the stress was not helping the psoriasis. Mm-hmm. And then it, it like started spreading across my vulva and it was like on my body and parts that you are like, like what is happening here? Yeah. And so I was like, is this root chakra? Is this sacral chakra? Is it both? Like what's, you know, and I'm like metaphysical reasons and I'm digging, I'm just digging. And at the, in the same time, I'm now eating all these, you know, quote unquote clean things to try to clear it and not trigger it. And so that was like a really interesting <laughs> correlation to the um, pleasure 
So I used pleasure as like a way to like get through all that. And because pleasure is embodied and, you know, being in our bodies is something that we tend to not do a lot of, I was, I had set up like the structure of the research to allow for those parts so that I could maintain um, integrity to like what the intention of the work was Mm -hmm. and also uh, really just kind of making it work for me in a way that, so I could survive the the semester, the, the three semesters. So the research, like you said, yeah, the, the pleasure was, it was so fascinating. And I learned a ton about like, you know, education, shame, transformation, um, all the dysfunctions that women get labeled with storytelling, just a ton of things. And then you did ask like anything challenging specifically. And I will, I love to name that it was really challenging towards the end because this was like this really interesting time where I was being invited to unpack race as it related to orgasm. Mm. And I wasn't, my research partner and I had opted who was not, um, who was, uh, who's also, a person of color, um, we adopted to like try to take out any sort of physical identifier besides being a woman that yeah. went with the research. And we had this academic learning opportunity because apparently researchers can't ignore things like race. Otherwise you look like white women ignoring race. Mm, according to Yeah, my, my, exactly. My, my teacher. And so it's just this really interesting intersection because we were also participants in the research and she wanted us to talk about how race affected our orgasm. Like as part of, and it was just a very, it was a very um, confronting experience because it was something I wasn't doing, wasn't comfortable doing, and then had to like look at it from a different angle. But like was, it was like looking at like getting new eyeballs while using my old eyeballs. It, It was like this, it's really even hard to describe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine because just you saying that, I, I, I'm really thinking about how like race and culture can intersect as it relates to orgasm. Like, I mean, if I wasn't able to read as an adult, I would not have known. Like, no one taught me how my body worked. Oh, like, yeah. I would have gotten pregnant and be like, "Wow." how did this happen? (laughs) You know, like I got a period and was like, what an inconvenience. What is this thing that's happening to my body? Uh So I know like as a black woman raised by black women who don't talk about sex, sexuality, orgasm, God forbid, I don't think I've Mm -hmm. ever heard any woman in my family say that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even, even the act of of intimacy was like something you just like do and get over because like, that's what the man wants. Like, so whatever, but you kind of like, you don't even talk about it. It's just kind of an understood thing. Right. So I'm so fascinated by this. Do you still have that research paper? Oh yeah. I can send it to you. Oh my God. I would totally geek Mm -hmm. out on that. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm also really, what also stood out to me was for your, um, you know, your intimate region to be affected by this autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. My first thought is like, if it wasn't something immediately related to you and your own experience energetically, maybe could it have been something 
I mean, I know you said you did some digging, but like, could it have been something in your family history? Like, would someone, like, did someone experience some kind of sexual trauma or birth trauma or something? Really, I don't know. That's the rabbit hole that I would have fallen down. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I, you know, my mom wasn't alive. So that was, that was definitely one challenging aspect of this. I had yeah. to only, I could only rely on like conversations with her spirit, which mm-hmm. that was a whole trippy experience in and of itself. Um, and my dad really, like you said, I mean, we didn't, these weren't conversations that were like free flowing in his family. My mom is white. My dad is black. So like he knew I had this, it wasn't anything he could really speak to, or it was in, and mostly when you ask if they, you know, does anyone in our lineage have psoriasis? It's not Mm -hmm. related to like the sexual trauma, but I will tell you that I had been invited to like consider had I been, had I experienced trauma sexually multiple times, just because I was naturally drawn to this work. It's like, am I trying to heal something in my own system? Sure. And I, I had no recollection of anything. Nothing came to me. Um, it really wasn't something I, even to this day, there's like nothing that really makes a lot of sense, except that I did have a very close relationship to someone who was at the center of a traumatic sexual experience. Mm -hmm. And so while perhaps that was related, it wasn't something I found out until much later. So I don't know. What I do know though, is that what I learned through doula training is how women's bodies in my lineage were handled and literally handled and dealt with, Mm -hmm. um, in regard to childbirth and, you know, birth in America and, uh, you know, the history of space. gynecology in exactly. general. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so once I figured, like, once I was aware of all that, there was so much like, oh, this is part of why you brought yourself here. Um, and so much trauma just could have been embedded in your system. And I'm one of those kids in my family that's like the chain breaker or like the, and, the, yep, the generational curse pattern. Yeah, like, it stops kind of here. Right. So yeah. who knows which tangent things are coming from, which side of my family, I don't even know, but it's like, I've like literally ended so much of it. Oh, bless. Bless you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but that was, it, it really was, it was, well, but I'd like to tell you, the funny thing is, is like, I haven't had a, I haven't had a flare up in years since. Okay. So let's talk about that. When did (laughs) it like, so when did it stop? Was there like a moment where all the work that you had done, all like the physical work and all the emotional or spiritual work that you did, did you notice a specific moment where you're like, oh yeah, this is broken? Like, were you freed up of something? Was it like some holy spiritual experience or was it just like, oh, that's interesting. It's going away gradually. Tell me about it. It it did. Let's talk about your vulva. (laughs) It did go away gradually. Like it definitely did. And I was working um, so grateful, so privileged, so honored, so blessed. My husband now was, is a practitioner, a holistic health practitioner. So he had access to many, many, many supplements, many uh, little procedural, you know, tests that you can do to check the inflammation and to track and gauge. And his coworker was like a functional medicine lens. So I was like receiving mm. like copious amounts of support. Mm. Um, and so, um, it, it did like these, it did like these kind of fluctuations 
where it would kind of clear and then I would trigger it up again. And then it was like another layer of, and it was mostly triggered by sugar, but I didn't always know it. And emotional eating and grief Mm. connected to my mom. Blizzards, Eminem blizzards are like the most precious, sweetest childhood memory of mine. And it was like the, the bane of my existence. The death of oh, my all the dairy mom. and the sugar, yeah, just a a good yes. bomb. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was such a bomb. So it would like do these little fluctuations. I consistently never ate gluten. I played with all the other inflammatory things, but then I will tell you that I rem- I recall, and I'm thinking of this now, and I'm kind of laughing. Um, 2020, it was like November, which is my birthday month, my anniversary month. And it was the eclipse season mm. and it had sort of, it had really been really decreased. Like it was very, very faint, but I remember like making a conscious decision to not eat processed sugar, which I guess I hadn't done until recently. Like, I guess it was only until last year at this time that I did that. Cause sugar was literally something I became addicted to both emotionally and like biologically based on my own birth and birthing experiences. Yeah. 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 So honey, I have had a love affair with honey and bees since my mom died. Mm. And that was where I got all of my need for sugar. Like that's what became if I needed sugar or not needed, but like I substituted it for that sweetener. And that was in um, November. And that was like when I was ready to plant my seed for like a baby and it wasn't happening at the time and it wasn't coming through. So I just had to like kind of trust and like let it, you know, put it on the shelf and let it, let it do its thing. But I have not, I don't know the last time I itched my vulva from scratchy, bloody, scaly psoriasis because of all of the things. And then I think I stopped eating processed sugar and, and I spent a few months working on a deeper level of my body and somehow Six months later, during the next eclipse portal, I had created life in my body. So I don't know. It's like I'm not a research paper, but I can tell you that it's all pretty much related to the same through line. Of course. Like, so like, I don't believe in coincidence ever. No. Uh-uh. And, ju- and just so we're clear, is it, did you cut out the honey or is honey still a, like your only no, access to cut- sweet? I cut out the processed sugar. So it was maples, it was maple sugar or honey, but I specifically was the honey. And I actually was living at a chocolate shop with bees on the roof. It's just this beautiful experience. Um, and I now have my own bees also. So honey, it has been like a central theme of my healing also. Oh, so that I was where that. I could receive my sugar. Yeah, I love honey. Like that oh. is my... I know. I don't know. Like it's like a comfort thing. So I don't I don't know in which I would not be surprised if this is something that you do because this is totally your vibe. But a lot of times when I'm working with moms specifically and we're talking about a postpartum healing plan, I talk to them a lot about their relationship to food as it relates to their lineage and their culture. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're they're you know, there's kind of a blanketed, like, make sure you're having healing foods or warm foods and all of that. But if you're consuming foods that are like, have no story tied to your cells, mm. then it's just my belief that like food, like food is such a thing. 
right? Like food is how we show our love. Food is the story of, of many of our cultures. Like food is the thing that ties us to, to our countries in a lot of regards, right? 100%, Whatever country yeah. of origin or region of origin and all of that. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious if in your research or in your lived experience, um, if you explored any deeper relationship to like generations and cellular relationships and diet, all of that, like, have you, have you explored that at all? Because I think, I feel like it's such a tie for you to say that you have this really close relationship with bees and honey since your mom passed. Like, did you and your mom have a relationship with bees? Like, was that your thing? Tell me about that. No, yeah, no, we didn't. But I, I did this weird when she died, bees were like everywhere, not like buzzing bees, but the, like the symbolism of bees. Like, mm. I named that she was this bee in the house one day after she died because I go, it's like my grandma was so upset and I was like, it's okay. Like, it's okay. It's mom. It's a, it's a, it's mom. Bees are kind of obnoxious, but essential to life. Like they're like the essence of everything that we have in, in our world. And and I just kind of like declared this and I don't know how many sig- like, like resounding yeses that came to me in the weeks following that like her spirit was going to deliver itself to me as a bee or b- related to that. Mm. And it just like, like, I'm not kidding you. Like people would bring me bee bracelets and tell me they didn't know why they were buying me a bracelet with a bee on it, but it reminded them of me. Like, bees everywhere. It's just kind of this really sweet thing. I love when God works in this way. Oh, whatever whatever like, you call God, I I love I that that we all <laughs> know it. Like this this is the kind of stuff that makes me feel so held and loved even when oh. I hear someone else's story like yes. something is holding us and keeping us I'm so that we can stay on a side. Yeah. Oh my god. No. This no. is amazing. So it became like this known thing that like bees and honey were like medicine for me. So that's like, and I stopped eating honey at some points during this like trial and error of what the skin thing is. But um, during COVID, I, I stayed with my friend who owns a chocolate shop with bees on the roof for which she harvests the honey to use in her chocolate. So just to like then like do another layer of healing in the last year where my body was preparing for motherhood and like literally saturated in the energy of bees and honey was just like obviously not a surprise um and then to the cellular I you know I I'm so fascinated by that as well and I know you study Ayurveda food and I'm so drawn to the connection between story and lineage and history and origin and food mm-hmm. and I do a lot of I eat a lot of like Chinese medicine based recipes yeah but not but not because they're rooted in any lineage but just because I know that that's healing but I will say I made gumbo with my dad this summer and I tell you, like, I kid you not the amount of like nourishment that I received from this gumbo during this pregnancy, like with him, like teaching me how to make it and like his storytelling and his love and his patience and the, just this, everything about it is like, I want to jar up gumbo to give to postpartum moms who have a connection to it because it's oh my gosh it feels like I'm drinking breast milk <laughs> I may, like no but no kidding have, have you seen um high on the hog I think that's what it's called I, I'm in the, the middle of watching it 
Oh my gosh. If listen, y'all listening, if you haven't watched the Netflix documentary High on the Hog and it talks about the history and the lineage of food as it relates to black people in America and Mm. the stories surrounding food and where a lot of our common, you know, westernized foods have really come from, it's 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 to be seen by everyone. It's 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 really good. It's like a meditative practice. Like watching it is very meditative, wouldn't you say? I know. My dad also makes gumbo, and uh, I find that when when I think about times where I have been grieving anything or just experiencing any kind of low moment, I mean, it, it's not foreign to most of us that food is kind of a thing that that fixes things. Some people more than others. Some people, it's like you know, it's a an issue. But for the most part, food heals. Like you can mm. receive a meal from someone and not speak the same language. But you know, in order to feed someone, to nourish someone, that's universal, right? Um, that's 100%. a universal way to show that you care. I remember when mm-hmm. I was in the early years of my career and I was working in business development and I worked with like small businesses in my area and many of which were ethnic restaurants. And they would be so offended if I went in there to meet with them and did not eat something. And so when they knew I was coming, they would already prepare something and we'd have to sit there and share a meal because if I was not willing to share a meal with them, they were not willing to do business with me. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was such a, a beautiful way to learn to appreciate different cultures and then to also acknowledge the culture in which I was raised in. I mean, I, I was raised by black people, but we were in mostly predominantly white environments. And so to Mm -hmm. kind of be um, immersed in those subcultures, not subcultures, Mm -hmm. but different cultures Mm -hmm. in a, you know, in a work environment where I was the only person of color, well, one of Mm. two or three. Um, And it, it was, I think that's where I personally started to really notice our tie in relationship to food. Like even mm. with my partner and I, if we're not talking, if we're, if we're like having an argument, I know like his peace flag is to call and say, do you want something to eat? It's always oh my gosh, like, same. yeah, it's like, it's always, I'll feed you. Like I'm, I may not say I'm sorry, yeah, I may, but I care that you stay alive. Like that is a big yes. message. So I, it goes a long I, way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can talk about food a lot. I love food. I know. I I, 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 I do too. I'm, and I'm like, Dad, could you please move here so we can like make food for the people? Now, where does he live? Tennessee. He's Tennessee. In Tennessee. Oh my gosh, my mm-hmm. people are in Tennessee too. Maybe we're family. Oh, um, let's check it out. <laughs> okay. Um, so tell me a little bit about this trajectory that you're on now in the work that you're evolving into. Um, I mean, you left teaching, Mm. you were a teacher full-time, you left that, which was, you know, when I met you, you were a teacher. Mm -hmm. And actually when I was in doula training, I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to be a doula, but I really wanted to understand um, birth from a deeper place and also the advocacy bit. Like I just felt called to, to like, it just felt like a yes that I should do. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to do any births. Yes. But this feels like something that I really need to know and understand for myself because I was a yoga teacher and most a lot of my clients were pregnant and I was sure. a prenatal yoga teacher and I was like, I should know how this works. Yeah. Um, but I was amazed at the training and I don't know how you felt. Maybe this is just a nod to Latham and her genius and the mm-hmm. way she holds space. Mm-hmm. 
but it was such a healing environment. And it was like, it felt like I needed to learn what I learned in that space and to feel held in sisterhood in that space so that (sighs) I myself could be birthed into another chapter and level of my own existence. Completely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. What was your experience? Say, well, I'm telling you, I don't know why I went there. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be cool information. And I did the same thing. Like, I found parts of myself that I hadn't, like, I collected parts of myself that I didn't even know were missing. Yeah. Which I was, like, surprised I was still doing that for some reason. I should never be surprised because it's never ending. But, um. P.S. Latham is not paying us to say all these wonderful things. No. <laughs> but, like, for real. For surely not. For real. <laughs> She is, she knows what she's doing. Um, I also remembered I was a teacher, but I remembered that in grad or before I went to college, I wanted to be a midwife and I forgot this. Like this became Mm. like, like an amnesic response for some reason. And I bonded over birth with my mom, my whole life. I was one of like the, like she had me very young. And so I was one of the older kids in her friend group. And um, so there were lots of babies around all the time. And I just naturally was drawn to them. I had a natural instinct to soothe them. I loved them. We watched the baby shows on all the TV channels. I'm, I was like going to be a midwife. And so um, the only reason I wasn't a midwife was because I wasn't going to take the five credit chem- chemistry course. And I wanted to have summers off or some, some crazy thing. <laughs> So I, I like ditched it and then remembered that it was like part of me, like from this lifetime. And then I swear to God, it was like remembering parts of me from all other lifetimes past. And so I was like, yep, I'm going to be a doula. I'm going to be a doula. This is what I'm going to do. And then COVID happened and I couldn't really do births. And it was all this, Yeah, it, it was like stopped in my tracks. So then I was like, oh, I guess I'm not. And then she offered level two from home. And I was like, well, I guess I'll do it. I'm home. Like I have nothing else to yeah. do. Yeah. That's what yeah, we did. Might as well. No. Yeah. So we did <laughs> level two. And then I was like, no, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not sure. Like I, I wasn't ever sure. And then I committed to it. And this, this is, I hand to God, this is the weirdest thing. I committed to it this year, 2021. I got like three clients. They weren't all cash. Cause they were like exchanges or friend things, but I had three clients. And then they kind of like fell away. Like they just literally fell away and they weren't, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing anymore. And I was like, well, that was weird. And then I was found that I was pregnant. I was like, oh, maybe that's all it was for. Mm. <laughs> I, so I'm still having this like, um, but I, I will say that one of my ways of learning is by doing like, I'm kind of that, like in your system, experiential learner. Yeah, me too. So I kind of was like, well, I guess I'm going to do my own experience and then I'll be able to, um, but like you said, it's like knowing and understanding and birth is so much more than just the birth is like what you hear when you say the word birth. Right. And to use it as a metaphor for the way I interact with life has been like something I'm passionate about and passionate about sharing. And I'm learning that sometimes the thing you want to do and the thing you're supposed to do, um, aren't the same. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. And so it's like, I don't know how this is going to show up for me besides birth, like birth doula or postpartum doula. Like, but I'm, I, I know for sure there's like this creative thing that's coming out of me that 
will bleed all of this together. Yeah. So you're just open. You're open to that. Yeah. 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 And it's like, it's like, I'm actually like in the process of it right now where I can't tell you, like, I'm not going to go do birth doulas right now because I'm pregnant and I'm not interested in being on call. That makes me want to, you know, fight or flight. Like my nervous system doesn't really like that. Yeah. It's trippy. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah it, it was trippy before I had, I was pregnant, but now I just can't even fathom yeah. I'll do postpartum. But there's like this, I'm like, I just want to architect something that's like all of these facets together. That's like my unique offering to the world. Yeah. The and one thing that I love about the season of pregnancy is that when you are in this questioning time where you're like, I'm just open, I'm just open to receiving, like everything about you is literally speaking loudly. Like your body is changing, literally expanding and growing every single day. And all the stuff that you receive, all the downloads you receive are just even more heightened. Right. And so like, I love that you're open because I, I believe that whatever comes to you during this season of of gestation, you mm-hmm. will birth your own self into this incredible, like queen bee mm-hmm. version of yourself. Like yeah, I can't wait. This you. is going to be so good. Oh thank my gosh. Ah, I, feel, I, I have chills. I, I, <laughs> thank you. It's, it's, I, I know that you have some of those same experiences of birth and expanding, right. As after yeah. you were pregnant and had a baby and so it's like, so con- it's just like validating and confirming and like a nod to like, you have, I have no idea what's going on, but I hear your story and I see it and it's like a, like, it's like, yep, keep going. Yeah. And it's no, all these- seriously. I know. Ser- and, it, and if y'all don't know, I mean, I've, I've talked about my story a few times, I think like on Instagram or whatever, but I essentially had no intention of doing anything other than working in the marketing space in the publishing industry or somewhere adjacent to that for someone in a corporate something forever, you know, like, like I, I didn't really consider ever working for myself. There was nothing. I, I, I was not very interested in birthing spaces. I didn't know a whole lot about my body enough to even want to explore it. And having a baby literally exploded me from the inside out. And I was like, yeah, there's, um, there's a new me here. Like it was very strange. And I was like, I can't tell people this. They're going to think I lost my mind and they're going to say this is some kind of <laughs> postpartum psychosis or something that's happening. But I literally felt like a new person and everything that was on the table before had to be like wiped off the table. Like that table was no longer acceptable. Like it, I literally <sighs> felt it in my body. And yeah. so, and I had a whole like spiritual, emotional, maybe a little bit of psychosis during, during my birth experience where I was like hearing voices, like, no, no, seriously, like, no, it wasn't psychosis, but I like at the moment I was thinking, oh my God, am I, am I losing it a little bit? Am I, am am I, I I don't know. Like I I thought I was in so much pain that I was just checking out. Like I was, I don't know, but I, I was so present. I don't remember ever being that present. And the things that I that I noticed the most was I heard myself scream. I had not heard myself scream since I was a little girl, like mm. actually scream. And I heard this voice where I was like, 
oh my God, I can't do this during the transition phase. We know what the transition mm-hmm. phase is. Like that moment where you're like, I don't think I can do this. This is not mm-hmm. going to happen. Oh my gosh. How big is this baby? Is it like, can it come out? Like, I don't, nope, nope. We're turning back. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> done. Done. I don't want to do this rad, anymore. Yeah, yeah. So we're done. I can't. <laughs> and um, scene. And, <laughs> and scene. And there was this literally loud voice. I can still hear it was this is your rock and your hard place. Mm. And it was like, <laughs> it was like, this is it. Like you're, no one's coming to save you. This is your rock and your hard place. And we, you know, we know that saying like, oh, I feel like I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. And that mm-hmm. was like, this is both sister. And mm. the only way that you can get out of this is if you push through it. And the moment that I said yes to that, it was like everything in my physical body and my spirit opened at the same time. And this little person came into the world. And my first thought, my first word, which is usually the same word that I've heard from every woman that I've supported is, oh my gosh, I did it. Mm. It's like, it's always this, I wasn't sure that I could. And I did it. Even, even people who have had like four kids and they still say the same thing, like, oh my gosh, I did it. Because you really aren't quite sure. <laughs> well, I, 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 oh, I mean, I haven't had the experience, but I can feel like the periphery of it just hearing you share. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're <sighs> going to be, it's, I can't wait to hear your birth story. It's going to be amazing mm. because no matter how babies are born, we are still born into another level of ourselves. So there's no, Ugh. I don't believe there's no right way to birth a baby. Like whether you had a cesarean or, you know, there was some kind of intervention that happened you were still born into another version of yourself based off of that experience that was uniquely for you to grow into like another realm. So Mm -hmm. I, I encourage people, if you're listening to this and you, you're really reconciling with your own birth experience, I encourage you to see that birth experience, regardless of what it looked like as a catalyst for where your mind is right now, like what is surrounding your thought process and what part of your birth experience seeded and birthed that thought process? Because that might be the breadcrumb to mm. where you are supposed to be in this lifetime. That right? is a beautiful invitation to Keisha. Yes. I mean, listen, I just, this is why I get so jazzed about this work. And I never thought, and I'll say this too, this is the last thing, because- I never thought that I would want to be on the business end of a birth experience, like ever. Like I like the idea of like talking about birth. I thought I was going to do postpartum work because I I witnessed my goddaughter being born. I was Mm -hmm. in college and I remember feeling like I was going to hit the floor. Like my head was spinning and I was like, nope, (sighs) if I supported a birth, like I can't faint. I can't be the doula and faint in a birth room. Right. Right. And I will tell you. Every birth that I've witnessed, like I've been all like, I see all, of course you see all the things, you see what's happening. And every time I feel so alive, like not, not feeling like I'm going to pass out or I'm going to lose it or I'm not connected with Mm -hmm. what's happening. But the first birth that I witnessed where I wasn't quite sure how I was going to turn out, like so far I'm still here, I'm with it. And then the birth, the baby came into the world and I felt all of that oxytocin and mm. I felt all of that joy and I saw like the mother's joy and her excitement that she actually did what she came to do. And the father like, oh shit, like she really did this, like that, all the faces and all the uh-huh. energy and all the experience, it was like a slow motion vignette in a movie. And I was like, oh, I'm here for this. Mm. I am, this mm. is everything. 
So I'm so excited for you to have your own experience, whatever that looks like, because I can only imagine knowing what you know about pleasure, what you've learned about your own body, your own journey through grief and pleasure and relationship and friendship Mm -hmm. and sisterhood and all these things that have built you up into this place. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, this, it's going to be so good. And just the story of you and your father, like having that, that legacy, I feel like when you can pass down recipe and preparation of nourishment as a legacy that goes Mm -hmm. on. Mm-hmm. I feel like that goes further than like the money stuff. Yeah, we want to leave lots oh. of money and, you know, 100%. but like the ability to nourish for generations. Oh my God. And he's so proud. Anyway. He just yeah. loves it. I, mean, I can tell. Yeah. I can tell just in how you experienced it. I can tell that it probably brought him so much joy to be able to mm-hmm. share this with you. Mm-hmm. And I, I called him like, I was like, I'm going to do this by myself. And I needed his help like, you know, 50% of the time. And then he was like, I'm like, I can do it next time. I can do it. He's like, he, Ryan, my husband is like, she's getting all cocky over here. And he's like, no, I, totally. <laughs> she she can do it. I know she can. Like she, she can do it on her own. It's just so sweet. Oh, wow. So when yeah. you, when you envision the type of woman that you, or type of person that you would like to call in to work with, with all the incredible gifts that you have and this incredible journey that you've been on and all this wisdom that you hold, who is that woman or that person? Mm-hmm. Uh, great question. <laughs> I'm working on that right now. So thank you for asking. It's, um, it's people, women, it's most likely women um, who want to be a more embodied version of themselves. Mm. So it can be on, you know, any part of the childbearing continuum, essentially. But then, because I believe that like being trained as a doula and a teacher and all the other things, you know, that isn't strictly related to just birth and postpartum. You know, sure. We can doula, we can doula each other outside of those, that window. Absolutely. Um, and I know that I do, you know, it's not, it's not lost on me that those are just natural parts of my relationships. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if I were to narrow it down, I could also see specifically at like programs around birth. Cause I just, I'm just so charged up by it. And I think it's just like a reclamation and a calling home, but, um, to like expand for people who aren't bearing children or will never, but want to take advantage of the work. It can just be anyone looking to embody, embody themselves fuller and live like a deeper connection to truth and fully express their themselves and their health. Um, because birth is really like a metaphor. Like it can be everything as practical as what it is, but it can also be a metaphor. And I don't care if you're what gender or sex you have, like birth is like, we can all access that kind of that. It's the one thing we all have in common. Exactly. On on this side of life, we were all born. We all traveled through the portal in some way yeah, and, and we're all we're here. and we're always re- rebirthing ourselves. Yeah, so it's it's really like not so that's like if I can get that creative, right? If the the, the thing wants to come through and it's that creative, I'll serve that any day. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the question that I ask all people, and I cannot wait to hear your answer, 
What practices do you lean on when you need to stay with yourself? How do you stay with yourself when life is challenging or you're being called to move out of your comfort zone? <sighs> Lots of deep breaths and out loud breathing, dancing, movement, painting, eating, cooking, um, stroking my pussy is like a very deeply nourishing connection, expansive nervous system practice. Um, just, and really honestly, um, being with uh, journaling, of course, is something I do connecting to nature, um, mothering myself, self care practices, like whatever it is, if it's washing my face or stretching, um, and you know, I love the way you asked that just staying with myself and not abandoning like that deepest part of me. And sometimes nothing looks like everything. Everything, everything is nothing. Nothing doing nothing is everything. And how are you existing today in, um, in your season of living without your mother earth side? Um, you know, I really try to, to be honest, (laughs) this woman is like, I can't find her right now. She is like off flying around somewhere. She's just, she's been present in my life and she's been absent and she's like on her own little party train right now. I don't know where she is. I, she hasn't been very present in this, in this season and it's, it surprises me. And, um, then she'll like sneak in for a minute via a dream or a memory and then it's like fleeting and. So I am just like, I don't know, I don't know what that is, but I'm honoring it for what it is and um, trying to connect with her when I can and receive from her love when I feel it and trust that it's good when I don't. And I have a lot of deeply um, mothery, motherly relationships in my life that I receive from. So I'm not like without that mother energy at all. And so, you know, it's just, it is what it is and she'll show up when she's ready. And I'm sure I'll feel her deeply when I have a baby and beyond. Can I share with you what's coming through for me? Yeah. As you're talking. Yes. So what I felt initially is the memory of, you know, when we learned at four months gestation, roughly a mother who is pregnant with a girl is essentially pregnant with her, you know, the, the eggs that will go on to create her grandchildren. Right. So when your mother was four months pregnant with you, she was essentially carrying the eggs that are now, that has now become your Mm. baby. Right. And so Mm. what I'm feeling is that same energy of when moms are kind of watching from a distance, like they're making sure you're safe they're, they're like, oh, well, she's feeling out her legs. She's learning to walk. Let me just see if she knows how to hold onto the side of the table so that I don't swoop in and enable her so she can kind of feel her wings mm. and feel her legs and gain her own confidence. And so that's really what I'm feeling. Like your mom is present, but mm-hmm. from a distance to, to give you space to mm-hmm. evolve into your own uh, your own chrysalis, build your mm. own chrysalis of creating a life so that you can have your own confidence and not, you know, the the codependence that can come from like helicoptering and all of that. So that's 
That's really what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like she's present, but from like a very distant and internal space. Like, oh, this is my grandbaby. Mm. I've I've already, you know, met the the soul perhaps that that I've sent down for Leah. And we've already carried this egg together. So she's got it. And I'll I'll be in to hold her. I totally feel that. It's so beautiful that you say that. I am you know, and she actually, I had that type of, that codependent word. There was like a time in my life where she had to go away because I needed to like be, there's a myth, a story about it in the women who run with the wolves by Dr. Clarissa Pinkle. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's the too good mom or something. And she actually had to go away. So the little girl could like be her own woman. And I've always thought that about this like journey I've been on with her. And so to hear you say that in, in this season is beautiful. And I think that's really, really accurate. So I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like I could hold it, but it Mm-mm. felt like that was, didn't. yeah, mm-hmm. that felt most yeah, resonant. Feels true. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, <sighs> I could, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours. It's already been an hour, mm-hmm. believe it or not. <laughs> it's just, that was lovely. This is, you know, this is what I'm loving the most so far about these conversations is that it's just such an opportunity to connect more deeply with you and and to also give people an opportunity to hear your story and to feel your spirit because I know that just as you are growing this incredible human that will no doubt be a world changer in some regard, you are preparing your soul to also hold space for some amazing people that are that are looking for someone like you to work with and help them reconnect with their own feminine self, their own pleasure, navigate their own grief and to birth their own Mm -hmm. version of their more awakened self into the world. And I can't wait to, you you know, see the, the residue of that in the world. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I will, I'd love to honor you also. Um, in my research, one of the things we learned was that, um, it was like an implication at the end of the research it was like, and now what? And the the resulting answer was one of them was to create space to hear women share stories. And that was the way we conducted research was through storytelling. And it was just so profound and so expansive and so healing. And it's like, you know, this, and this is why you're doing it. It's, 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 it's not only beautiful and fun and entertaining and enjoyable, but it's also like life preservation and um, oxygen for some to hear themselves in someone else's story. And so I commend you. I honor you. I thank you for holding space to do just that. And I am so grateful that I got to be on this side of the sharing and the storytelling. And it was just such a lovely time. And I'm so, so grateful and so humbled and honored to have had the opportunity to connect with you in this way. Thank you. This is why I like the video part. Again, y'all can't see her, but I love being able to make semi-eye contact with someone Mm -hmm. when we're talking um, and connecting in this way. And I just can't thank you enough for coming and sharing. (sighs) And I want to celebrate you again. Congratulations on welcoming, um, you know, your first pregnancy. And yeah, I can't wait to see what what else you're going to do in the world aside from, I mean, I don't know, the small task of creating a life. <laughs> oh, girl. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. Well, it. if you all don't um, know who Leah is, you need to 
Hurry up and get on that train. Follow her on Instagram. She is such an incredible soul. And just watch what she's got coming up because, listen, you want to be there. Trust me. Again, thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing day and take care. 